coldest game I ever coached in was up there. Field was absolutely frozen solid. I mean, it was a it was an ice rink. You couldn't uh, hardly even move around. And and uh, my father Fred Whittingham was on the staff at the same time. I, I was the defense coordinator, and he was our linebacker coach. And I remember his pants caught on fire. <laughs> Sports Podcast. I am your host, David Graff. Joined alongside me is my co-host, as always, Robert Munoz from Wild Sports. It is a fantastic day to be a Mountain West Conference football fan. Another day we wake up and there will be Mountain West football this year, this fall, right now, 2020. There will be a season. So we're going to talk about that, talk about the details relating to the University of Wyoming and the Mountain West football season slated to kick off on October 24th, as well as a special treat. Now, as you know, Robert and I were stoked, stoked coming into this season to play the University of Utah. We thought that Wyoming would present some unique challenges for the Utes and really thought they might run the table, might beat Utah in September and start 3-0. and But it turns out, you remember all those cancellations in August that don't mean anything anymore because every conference has now reversed course and they are playing fall football at the FBS level. Well, we had University of Utah Head coach Kyle Whittingham join us for a quick chat. We talked about his history as a player at BYU playing against the University of Wyoming, as well as some of his experiences in the past coaching against the University of Wyoming at Utah, both as an assistant coach and as the head coach. And we even asked him how he thought his team might have matched up against this University of Wyoming team. Sadly, we won't ever get to see that play out on the field this fall, unless maybe a bowl. Maybe there's a a wild turn and we get Utah in a bowl game. But we talked to him. He's going to kick off our rivalry month for the month of October. We had scheduled, without football, a month of just talking to rivals that have gone up against the University of Wyoming over the years, players, coaches, Guys that have just had some hard-fought games against the Pokes that have played them tough, coached them tough. Kyle Whittingham, University of Utah coach, will be the first guest on this. We'll have at least three heading into the October 24th kickoff for the season. We don't know if we're going to do the whole month now, now that football is back, but at least three Next week will be Jim McMahon, former BYU quarterback, a Chicago Bears legend, maybe the best quarterback of all time for the Chicago Bears, which isn't saying a whole lot, but he'll be he'll join us. He'll talk about his experiences playing at BYU, playing the University of Wyoming, his comments on Lavelle Edwards and Laramie and all sorts of stuff. So 
Jim McMahon next week, but this week, the head man for the Utah Utes, Kyle Whittingham. So that's coming up here in a little bit. But first, Robert, how's it going? Less than a month, baby, and then we'll be able to see that brown and gold on the field again. It's going to be great. Uh, I'm excited. I know you're excited, David. Everybody's excited. It's what we need in this crazy, crazy time we're going through right now. And you didn't talk about the amount of fans that they will be allowing at games. 7,000 fans they announced yesterday to the University of Wyoming and the state. Yeah, it's going to be great. I don't know. Hopefully, I know students are allowed at the games. I don't know how that's going to play out. Hopefully, the students are pretty responsible, but we're going to need them to be for sure to order to keep those fans showing up, supporting, because, you know, that's, that's a big part of uh, those Wyoming games and the Wyoming Wyoming support and just that how tough it is to play at War Memorial Stadium. You think they're going to be able to make the 7,000 work? Yeah, I was going to get into all the details here shortly, but thank you. 7,000 fans the University of Wyoming will be allowing. They worked with the Wyoming State Health Department to come up with that number and seems as if students, season ticket holders, and families of student-athletes will be the ones who will reap the benefit of those 7,000 available seats. Tom Berman has said since the beginning of the summer, he told Wild Sports' Michael Katz that they couldn't play without fans. The University of Wyoming needed some sort of in-stadium fan support. They needed to be able to sell tickets and get people to come out to the football game, max out their four beers probably. Let's be real. It's pretty damn cold, so four beers goes pretty quickly. But I think that it's the right move. you got to have some sort of fan engagement. Every Almost every college stadium around the country has had fans in the stands. It hasn't seemed to be a problem. I haven't followed too closely. Honestly, I'm kind of over all of the COVID horror stories, but University of Wyoming has done an excellent job managing COVID on campus and managing the whole situation. Wyoming as a state hasn't had many COVID cases comparatively. Obviously, population has a little bit to do with that. But Tom Berman has always said that they were going to have fans in the stands. Always. Hasn't deviated from that one bit. So it's not surprising to see that. It is a little surprising to see the number at seven. I think he had initially said that they would need at least 10,000. But seven is probably the right correct number in accordance with the state health department and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. And I I haven't seen um, all of the other schools and what their requirements are for allowing fans at the games. But I did see that Nevada is only allowing 10% capacity. So that means 
for the University of Nevada, only 3,000 fans, and for UNLV, 6,500 fans. So it's going to be kind of crazy to see. I don't know. Is it really going to make that big of a difference? Is it going to be that big of an advantage for teams when they're traveling? Because I'm, I'm curious to see how big of an advantage it's going to be for the home team and for the teams that are on the road and playing at those stadiums. Honestly, I don't think 7,000 fans are going to swing the whole home field advantage. I think you just inherently have an advantage playing at home, not having to travel, not having to go anywhere, being used to your surroundings. All of those things play into a home field advantage. Obviously, come game day, the fans make a a bit of a difference, a a a significant difference. I'm not going to undersell the fans, but 7,000 isn't going to swing anything drastically in Wyoming's favor. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. But it's just, I don't know, man. It's, I, I think not drastically, but I think uh, it'll have a little bit of an impact, especially like we, like I just said, Nevada only is going to have 3,000. It's not a crazy amount of noise, but it gets, it gets the players going a little bit more. No doubt. Now, the Mountain West hasn't, as of the time that we're recording this podcast on Wednesday afternoon, released a schedule so we don't know exactly who Wyoming will be playing, where they will be playing. The schedule kicks off on October 24th, Saturday, so about three, three weekends from now. Four, I guess. I, I, a few Saturdays from now on October 24th, Wyoming will be kicking off football, hopefully, given all of COVID can certainly rear its ugly head. It has already early on in the NFL season. The Titans and the Steelers have seen their game get postponed here early on. So, All fingers crossed, all COVID tests cleared, systems will be a go for October 24th. The Mountain West says they're going to play an eight-game schedule, one a week up until December 19th for a Mountain West Conference championship game. Whether or not that actually happens, obviously we've seen across the country that COVID is going to to rear its ugly head in college. These guys are not pros. And even in the pros, as I just mentioned, the Titans and the Steelers, the Titans having eight people test positive for COVID. So that's thrown a wrench, everything in the NFL. But for college purposes, you have two teams that have to be ready to play, have to be all cleared, all ready to go. And, Early in the season, there have been a lot of one-sided. One team gets decimated by COVID, so the game gets canceled. So hopefully, Wyoming can play as many of those eight games that are scheduled as possible. We shall see what happens with that. And I saw Coach Bull say that a lot of these second, third string guys are getting a lot more reps than what they normally would because they don't know who's going to be playing. I mean, they know who's going to be playing, but what, you know, what something might happen, something may happen. Other guys, maybe some freshmen are going to be landing in the starting role midway through the season. Who knows? So uh, that's 
I mean, there's going to be a lot of things to be taken into taking into measures here. Yeah, your depth and your recruiting and your development will certainly be challenged this season. It's going to be a great test, a great test of wills. Uh, you've seen it in every sport that has played out so far. The NHL is, was kind of quiet. They just kind of did their thing. They crowned a champion. Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning. The NBA, you've seen guys get in trouble for leaving the bubble, for doing things within the bubble that weren't allowed, and it's been a mental challenge for those guys. And the Lakers and the Heat have passed that challenge so far. They're in the NBA Finals. MLB teams battled with COVID. You had to call minor league guys up at certain points to play for the Cardinals and the Miami Marlins, and they're both in the MLB playoffs. And you're seeing a similar thing at the college level, college football teams, guys getting their number called because someone on their team, contact tracing or whatever, has been ruled out for COVID. The biggest, best thing that came out of this renewed effort for a season in the Mountain West was the thing that I had been calling for all along. There's got to be a uniform standard across the board. It was a mistake over the summer for Craig Thompson to say that the Mountain West was just going to let the schools handle themselves. No! Absolutely not. Finally came to his senses. There will be three tests a week run by the schools conducted by the conference. The conference is paying for them to occur. So hopefully, thankfully, across the board, everybody's going to be held to the same standards, which means that if the individual players are doing their part, staying in, not doing anything crazy, then there will be a season and we can play Hopefully, I'd I'd say a safe estimate would be six games. Yeah, that's a great estimate, David. I mean, I'm sure they'll be able to figure out a way to play all eight games. Uh, I'm pretty confident in that, even if they're pulling equipment managers from the sidelines, suiting them up or whatever. But yeah, we were talking about the lack of leadership uh, with Craig Thompson when everything started going on. And it's just, at least we have it, at least they have it figured out now. At least he's uh, stepping up, trying to make things happen, trying to do this, get stuff done, and aware that things can actually work if people want it to and if people take responsibility and are safe. Yeah, it, it all just depends upon individuals' ability to remain focused as well as fans if you want to continue to have fans, you got to be safe going up to game day. And while you're at the stadium, obviously there will be some social distancing in place as well for those 7,000 fans. That's, that's part of it for everyone. I early estimate. I'll give an early prediction for this season. I think Wyoming ends up playing six games. They probably go four and two. I think that 
this is a winning team. It's it's they're going to end up with a winning record, especially in conference. Some of the teams left in the conference are not great. Let's be real here. They are not great this year and Wyoming has a solid offense, which is not something that you would think Wyoming would be and they always seem to be ready to go on defense so I can't discount the defense it'll all just depend upon what are those two games that end up getting canceled are they two cupcakes or are they two games where Wyoming was really going to be challenged Robert what what say you before a schedule even comes out what do you think for this season this abbreviated we, COVID season. Are we talking eight games or are we going off here six games? I'm predicting six games. If you, you said eight games will oh. get played, so go off eight games. It doesn't matter to me. Um yeah, I could I could see I could see him losing two games, absolutely. Regardless is regardless if it's six or an eight game season I could still see them just losing two games no more than that because like you said they're a winning team we had everybody had high expectations for this team going into the season even losing who they lost we all know who they lost but yeah I mean we're just gonna have to wait and figure out who they're gonna play where they're gonna play them at it's gonna be interesting I'm pretty excited for this schedule release it's I don't know man yeah, but two games, I'm agreeing with you. They're going to lose two games no matter the amount of games they play, unless, you know, they only play like three or four games. But I don't see that happening. There is no timetable for the schedule to be released. Hopefully it gets released between now and our next episode next week with Jim McMahon next week on the podcast. This week former BYU linebacker, current University of Utah head football coach, Kyle Whittingham. Unfortunately, we're not going to get to see Wyoming play Utah in the regular season at least. Now, bowl games, who knows? You never know. Never know if there's even going to be a bowl season. We shall see. But University of Utah head football coach, Kyle Whittingham, on the Wyo Sports Podcast right now. We were really excited for University of Wyoming to take on his University of Utah Utes this football season, but unfortunately that won't be happening this fall. Head coach of the University of Utah football team, Kyle Whittingham. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Well, we're really excited to talk to you. We, uh, You've been on this rivalry from the BYU side and the Utah side against the University of Wyoming. So why don't we start with what was it like at BYU in the 70s and early 80s to play the University of Wyoming? I know you went you went 3 and 1 against them as a player, but Wyoming did get you guys when you were a senior. Yeah, that was a uh, a bitter rivalry and and uh, always a tough to play a tough place to play up there in Laramie and I remember vividly, I think it was my yeah, it was my senior year that uh, we got uh, beat up there, and and uh, it was a, a snowstorm, and we went in at halftime, and and it wasn't uh, wasn't all that bad of weather as I recall. And we came out, 
second half, and it just got worse and worse. And and uh, I just remember being in the you know in the showers for about an hour after the game, trying to thaw out. It was just it was just unbelievably cold there, and and uh, the fans there are always very uh, enthusiastic and and uh, rooting for their home team. And and uh, you know it was a tough environment. I'm telling you right now, they they uh, they got after you pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So. Utah is 12 and 3 against Wyoming with you on the staff including 5 and 1 as the head coach. How did you take those lessons from when you played them at BYU into your coaching career? Well, I had experience as I mentioned uh in that hostile environment up in Laramie and and uh knew, you know, very well how tough and well coached the the Cowboys are and you know, I was just able to uh you know, convey that to, to our players and, you know, both as an assistant as the head coach. And, and, uh, you knew when you were going to play Wyoming, you were going to get, uh, you know, a, a very, you know, competitive 60 minutes of football. And, and they've had some really good teams up there through the years. I mean, there's some years when they were absolutely outstanding and, uh, you know, they've, they've had a, you know, a, a very good, uh, history. And, uh, you know, like I said, they've, They've given us all we can handle in in uh, you know in those games. You keep mentioning about how tough it is to play in Laramie. So, where does Laramie rank among the toughest places to play? With maybe some other programs that you've played at over the years. Well, it's right up there, and particularly when you play them later in the year, it's uh, you know you can get cold there. In fact, I think the coldest game I ever coached in was up there. Gosh, I can't remember exactly what year it was. Ninety uh, four, ninety. No, no, it was after that. It was probably in the late 90s and uh, or early 2000s and, and the field was absolutely frozen solid I mean it was a it was an ice rink you couldn't uh, hardly even move around and and uh, my father Fred Whittingham was on the staff at the same time I, I was the defense coordinator and he was our linebacker coach and I remember his uh, pants caught on fire from one of, the, one of the sideline heaters you know he was too close to one of those sideline heaters and it and it uh, actually caught his pants on fire and we had to you know, put them out and, you know, put the fire out and, and, uh, singed his legs pretty good. But, but anyway, it was, uh, you know, there's some memorable games, uh, with the Cowboys and, and, uh, like I said, it's definitely a, a, a tough place to play. We've talked to a couple of players and other coaches and I just, we're kind of interested. How is the whole, how's everything working out for you during this crazy time? Yeah, we're doing the best we can uh, and, and doing everything that we can that we're allowed to do, which is, uh, you know, we're in the weight room, uh, in the meeting room with our players. We get to get out on the field with them uh, for a, a little bit of time during the week. Uh, no contact or anything, obviously. It's it's all no padded, uh, more skill instruction than an actual practice. But, but at least we're being, you know, we're able to get out there and, and get some coaching done and and uh, like I said, have them in the meetings uh, and in the weight room, which is more than a lot of schools are, are getting right now in the Pac-12. There's some schools who don't even have their players in the weight room yet. So so we feel pretty, feel pretty fortunate uh, as to where we're at. And uh, hopefully things continue to progress and we're able to play, you know, sooner if not later. I mean, we, you know, at some point we'd like to get, uh, get a season in, uh, you know, prior to the fall of 21. Now we'll see if that happens. Now, Robert and I were both very excited for Utah to come to Wyoming and play this fall. Unfortunately, 
that game has been canceled. But did you have a chance to look ahead on your schedule at all? And how do you think that your team this year, I know you guys lost a few key contributors from last year. How do you think they would have matched up with Wyoming this fall season? Well, it would have been a tough game. And I know that, uh, you know, Coach Bowl has done a great job there. And, and uh, it's, uh, you know, like I said, a tough place to play. And we were we were scheduled to go up there, correct? I know we have a home and home, but we were, we were going up there this year. And, and uh, it, uh, you know, would have been obviously, you know, a, a, a tough matchup. And, and uh, you know, it would have been a hard-fought game, I'm sure of that. Well, Coach, we really appreciate your time. I want to wrap it up really quick here. You kind of shocked Tom Herman last last winter when you said you'd worked out for almost 4,000 days straight. And this, this COVID situation, a lot of people were upset because they haven't been able to, to continue working out and keep working out the way that they have. So can I ask, is the workout streak still going? <laughs> still intact, yeah. I found a way to to uh, continue it and uh it was challenging at times but but uh yeah i've, I've been able to uh to continue uh with that uh, streak and and uh you know fortunately if i can stay healthy and and avoid the the virus uh you know we can keep it going but we'll see and as i think back guys i think it was my junior year that we got beat up there do you have the schedule there in front of you i'm pretty sure that they got us was it 1980 it was 1981 1981 was, was my senior year. Okay, I was a, I was getting confused between my junior and senior year, but that, that's right. 1981, my senior year, which which is forever ago. You're dating <laughs> that. That shows how old I am. But but uh, anyway, Wyoming will always hold a, a special place in my heart and and great memories of of some hard fought games and and uh, like I said, they've had some terrific teams come out of there through the years. Well, Coach, we really appreciate your time and for the kind words about Wyoming. We can't wait to see Wyoming and Utah face off again. It'll be, it'll have been over a decade since the two teams have met on the field. So really looking forward to that whenever it can happen again and really appreciate you taking the time. Okay. Happy to help out. Thanks for having me on guys. And I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with university of Utah head football coach, Kyle Whittingham. I know Robert and myself were certainly pumped to have him on the podcast to get a few minutes of his time. He's very busy over there in Salt Lake, so really happy that he was able to squeeze us in and shout out to Paul Kirk over there at the University of Utah in their athletic communications department for helping me set that up. That was fantastic, so really appreciate him. Really excited to watch Utah football as well. The Pac-12 is back, just like the Mountain West. As Robert knows, I am a huge, huge, huge Arizona State fan. My girlfriend went to the Arizona State University, so excited for some Pac-12 football late at night, probably just sitting on my couch for 15 hours straight watching Mountain West Conference, Big 12 and then finishing up with just a dirty Pac-12 matchup of probably teams like Oregon State and Utah. You never know what the Pac-12 after dark. But thankfully, we don't just talk college football on this podcast. We also have Robert Munoz, 
my co-host, who is very in tune and covers the high school ranks for Wild Sports. He's got a few thoughts from the East Sheridan matchup from last week, last Friday. So he's going to share those with you right now. And then we're going to wrap up the podcast with an NFL thought each from last week. Big week of NFL action in week three. But a few things stood out to each of us. We'll wrap it up there. And then we'll talk to you again next week. But right now, Robert on East Sheridan. Cheyenne East beat Sheridan, went up north and beat Sheridan. Huge win for the Thunderbirds. Both Central and East beat Sheridan on the road. I mean, that's pretty huge. I don't, I have no idea when the last time that could have possibly happened. Probably happened a lot sooner than I think, but still, it's pretty huge. It's pretty crazy. This year of Wyoming high school football and class 4A is pretty pretty wide open is what it seems like seems like to me even though central still holds that number one ranking yeah it was a low scoring game up there um i was covering the central and south game so i really didn't get to listen too much to the sheridan and east game i caught a little bit here and there but east jumped sheridan in the pole and they are now number three on the Wild Preps coaches and media football pool. They're currently number three. Moving past Sheridan, Sheridan drops number four, and Thunder Basin still remains up there at second, losing only two Central. And yeah, man, uh, Central East next week, not this week, next week, setting up for a huge, huge game. What was Patrick Schmidt telling us? That he could see... Uh, Capital City State Championship, Central and East playing for the title. That'd be pretty huge. And I mean, I depending on where they wind up on the side of the bracket going into the postseason, could happen. Yeah, you never know with high school football. It would be awesome. I know you were high on East and Central, and that was your prediction as well. So it was surprising when we had Patrick on for him to kind of agree with you. You know what I mean? Absolutely, and tough to go undefeated in the season. I mean, especially high school football, any level of any sport, you know that. Central has its tough games out of the way as of right now, except for East, obviously. So, I don't know, I'm just hoping Central doesn't, I mean, seems like they haven't had a bad game yet, and every team has at least one bad game, right? Or am I wrong? I could be wrong. I don't know. I'm always wrong. Sometimes a team gets in the groove and maybe they have what is a bad week for them, but not necessarily a bad week. You know what I mean? I know what you mean, man. Just like the Broncos have had a couple bad weeks in a row. I don't know. It wasn't too bad against the Steelers. They covered the spread. They only lost by five points. But last week, just atrocious, David. This week, we got the former Boise State Bronco starting for the other Broncos, still in the blue and orange, and maybe he can continue to carry some of that Boise State magic with him over to MetLife Stadium. Hopefully the Broncos don't tear any ACLs, any more injuries, 
Yeah, the Broncos with Driscoll had a chance to win that game against Pittsburgh in week two. I don't know what the call was on fourth down. You need a few yards to get a first down, and then you still had time to win the game with the touchdown, and they let a free rusher just come up and kill Jeff Driscoll. So I didn't watch any of the Broncos game this past weekend. I didn't get a chance to see Rippin in action, but tomorrow, Thursday, against the New York Jets in arguably the worst NFL Thursday night game of all time. And that includes every single Jacksonville Jaguars game. The Denver Broncos will take on the New York Jets. Talk about football, baby. That is really going to test my love of football. I hope you have your schedule clear there for tomorrow night. I know. No, you like eating at those nice, fancy restaurants over there in Southern California, but hope the calendar's open for tomorrow night. Unless you mean Chick-fil-A, I don't go to fancy restaurants. All right, that I just want the record to reflect that. But I'll give my one NFL thought from this last weekend. I watched every single second of the Buffalo Bills-LA Rams game. It was the local game at 10 a.m. Pacific Woke up bright and early on a Sunday in Palm Springs to watch Josh Allen take on the Rams. And the Bills dominated. They dominated that game. Now, the final score was 35-32. But the Bills were up, I want to say, 28-3 to at one point. They should have won that game handily. Handily. Josh Allen... Finished 24 for 33 with 311 yards, four TDs, and an interception that probably should not have been an interception. Josh Allen, the first two quarters, first half, unbelievable football. Then he played a mediocre third and a mediocre fourth. The fourth quarter, their final drive, he drove them down when they were down 32-28. They had surrendered the lead somehow, and he drove him down a questionable pass interference call on fourth on fourth down, gave them an opportunity to get a first down and reset it, and he they ended up winning the game 35-32. But, man, did Josh Allen look great. He looked fantastic throwing the ball. Aaron Donald wasn't much of a factor. As Dan Fates mentioned to us in our bonus interview from last week, he had called Aaron Donald probably the best to ever do it, maybe the best to ever do it on the defensive line side of the ball. And Josh Allen looked as confident and poised as ever. He was unbelievably calm. There were a few instances where he may or may not have been rattled. The interception was a ball that his guy caught the ball. Tyler Croft came down with the pass and they called offensive pass interference. And then somehow he landed on the ground with the ball and somehow the Rams guy took it away. It was one of the most bizarre sequences I've ever seen because he caught the pass 
I sent it to you, Robert. Do, do you, you know what I'm saying? Just like Des, that was a catch, man. Yep, he sent it to me. I didn't catch that play, and I mean, it wasn't Josh's fault. It, it, it was kind of a wild play. Josh did some scrambling and then threw a long pass down the sideline that his guy caught but called, but got called for offensive pass interference, and then the Rams guy took the ball away on the when he was on the ground and he was seemingly already down, yet it was ruled an interception. So that goes in the book for him as an interception. Mike Pereira on the Fox call was as miffed as I am right now. And I was, when I was watching it, I was very confused. Should have been a no play offensive pass interference. They run a draw on third down or whatever, and then punt it away. Maybe that wouldn't have given the Rams any momentum. I don't know. Another questionable call was the pass interference. Pereira again said it should have been pass interference. So, I, I tend to side with Pereira. He went to Santa Clara University where I started college. So, you know, we have that special Broncos bond that we, we carry. A whole lot of Broncos everywhere. Exactly. All right. That, that's in the past. That's in the past. Exactly. We've so, gone from that, David. Next week, next week, I'm equally as excited. The Bills travel to Vegas, take on. The Raiders, the Oakland Raiders, who managed to do a good job against Drew Brees and an okay until late job against Cam Newton. I expect Josh Allen to continue to quietly put up MVP numbers. Ignore the noise. I know Russell Wilson had a great game against the Cowboys. Come on, it's the Cowboys. They're an 8-8 eight eight team every single year. Buffalo continues the march. I'm on the bandwagon, and I'm on the Josh Allen for MVP bandwagon. He will win the MVP this year, no doubt about it. That wraps it up for this episode of the Wild Sports Podcast. You can follow myself on Twitter at Mr. David Graff. You can follow Robert on Twitter at rmunoz307. Holding it down for the Cowboys State. Can't wait to join him in the Cowboy State next week when I will be moving to Casper. Very excited for that. Also, shout out to Shakewell for the music. And please continue to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. We are on almost every platform imaginable. So if you need help, send me a message. I'll get you the link. I don't care. I'll do it. Doesn't matter or whoever sent you the link can probably help you out finding the podcast. We're doing great things over here. Next week, we will have BYU legend and former Chicago Bears Super Bowl winning QB Jim McMahon on the podcast. We had a great time chopping it up with him. So he'll be on next week. And if you want to throw a few shekels between now and next week, click the link in the description. Go Pokes. Can't wait for October 24th. Tune in next week for Jim McMahon.
Shout out any suggestions, baby. 